Have you ever looked at something and immediately felt like it was really masculine or really feminine? This is something that has plagued my mind for so long because these are such subjective terms, and I'm so excited to dive into it today. You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. So I want to start today's episode by asking Abby a question, which I already asked my husband, Cobb, and you might not have a solid answer, but I think it's a good discussion point. Ooh, Do okay. you remember the first time you were told or just kind of came to an understanding that something was girly, quote unquote? And if so, do you know what it was? Do you remember the situation? When did you kind of come to an awareness of like there were things that were masculine and things that were feminine? Interesting. That's actually, that's a very deep question. The first things that come to my mind, I don't know if this is accurate, right? This is based on my memory. Uh huh. One is I remember when I was little, I wanted for Christmas a vanity set, Uh huh. like a little mirror and a little seat. And it had some fake makeup in the drawers. Yes. And I was little enough that I don't know that I really understood. I didn't know what a vanity meant. Yeah. And I, I don't really know what I planned to do when I sat down at this little mirrored seat. <laughs> yes. But like you understood that like that was a thing that you wanted to have. But I knew that I wanted it. And I, I remember when I finally got it for Christmas, it was so different from the toys that our brother Andrew got. Like Andrew got a bunch of stuff that he could play with and throw around. And this uh-huh. said, I wanted it. And I wanted to use it. And I actually, we eventually made the vanity into like a Barbie dream house. Uh-huh. And I did use it for a lot of different things, but it just felt very different to me. Like, oh, his toys are rowdy and my toys are calm. Mm, that's an interesting distinction. Or like his toys are like a bunch of animals or dinosaurs. Like they're very wild. And mine is an imitation of something a grown up would actually mm. use. Yeah. I was going to say his toys all seemed action and function oriented, whereas a vanity is a little bit more like decorative, ornamental, like it's it's kind of this superfluous activity, right? Right. Even the mirror wasn't an actual mirror. Yeah, it was so one of those like stickers. Imagine. It was like a sticker and then the makeup didn't really work. Uh-huh. Anyways, the other example, which we can, you can tell me if this is a good example or not. Yeah. But I remember the movie Little Giants, which okay. is about Rick Moranis as this dad coaching a ragtag football team. It's such a stereotypical 90s movie of parents who are separated and the kids are navigating divorce. Rivalry between brothers. Yes, like new schools, like all of these things were just draw from a hat from the 90s movie. Yeah, you know? seriously. But there's a girl who is a tomboy and wants to play football. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, like, we watched that movie five million times. Oh, yeah. But th- the things that they would say about, like, oh, you can't play football, you're a girl. Yes. Maybe that's the opposite. That's realizing, like, there are these expectations for what it means to be a, a boy. And if right. you don't fit into those, what you're doing is girly. It's unacceptable. You know? Right. No, I think it's all intertwined. Yeah. Right? Something appearing feminine tells us 
who it's for. Like we'll get in, more into this later, but that's why it's so fascinating because it translates to so many things. When I was kind of thinking through like, when did I know that there were things that were girly and things that were not? And there's not even a good word for like boily things. Yes, we don't have a word. You know, it's like there's normal things and there's girly things. Yep. But I have kind of vague memories of getting action figures in Happy Meals. And it wasn't like, oh, girls can only play with girl action figures and boys can only play with boy action figures. It was more like we would use the action figures to tell interpersonal relationship focused stories. Yes. Whereas I felt Andrew and Jonathan would do more of battles or events or fighting kind of things like activities with their action figures. Do you remember we had a Batman action figure where you would like push his head down? Oh yes. He would transform from Batman into Bruce Wayne. Yes. And like that that feature of this action figure was deeply psychologically significant to us. Yes. Because I was like, oh, the duality of this person. Yes. You know, this, they have multiple identities. And the boys were <laughs> over there like, ah, Yes. Yes. Like, I remember distinctly we had this Fisher-Price dollhouse, which mom just brought to us. Aww. And we had a, a Belle from Beauty and the Beast, a yeah. little action figure, and the Beast. And mm-hmm. we would, like, string her up from the pendulum light. In the yes. dollhouse. And then the beast. We also would tangle safer. her up in the string for the blinds. Oh, yes. So yeah, I'm Bella like, suspended a lot. Yes. I don't know why we did that. But I remember coming down and seeing the way that Jonathan had like set up the beast toy. And I was like, what is he doing? Like, why are yeah. they all lined up? Like, why isn't he interacting with Belle? Why isn't he saving the princess? And that also speaks to our generation, I feel was like the Disney princess era. Yes. It was it was another formula like the 90s family movies where it was you have a princess who wants to defy expectations but can't for whatever reason. But can't because she doesn't have a mom. Yes. Anyway, and you know, at the end of the day, she marries the prince and it's happily ever after kind of thing. And I do think not to like over psychoanalyze us, but I do think that that affected the way that I viewed male and female roles and masculinity and femininity, like all of those things. Especially when you're little, because all you know is the performative aspect of it, right? Right. Like you don't really understand what gender is. Right. So I had this kind of interesting experience with my son who uh, is four, because I have been somewhat careful not to say things to him like, oh, pink is a girl color or blue is a boy color. And I am not trying to politicize this or say that there is no gender because that's not what I believe. But I don't think it's important that my son not wear pink, right? I don't think that that is harmful to him. So I've kind of been holding off on language like that. And it was interesting because he goes to preschool and he came home earlier this year And for the first time, he told me pink is a girl color. And then he also started saying, I don't like cute things. I like cool things. Oh, interesting. It was really interesting to me because I had been kind of waiting. Like when, you know, when do these concepts kind of kick in? Yeah. There are things that are more appropriate for boys or for girls. And, you know, he's four. So sometime around there, I think it starts to 
kick in. But like he still has lots of friends who are girls and like does lots of activities that maybe would be, you know, deemed girly, quote unquote. But that was the first time that he had articulated that to me, which I thought was super interesting. Interesting. Did you ask him about it at all? Oh, yeah. I tried to dig into it so much. And I even tried to like counter it. Like pink isn't a girl color. Pink colors don't belong to anybody. Anybody can wear pink. Anybody can like pink, blah, blah, blah. And he is dead set on it. He's like, no, mom. Girls like pink and purple and boys like blue and green. And I'm like, well, what about yellow? What about red? You know, and like his favorite color has been purple for a long time. And he still says that it's his favorite color, but then he also says that it's a girl color. Yeah. Interesting. So it, it is super, super interesting to me. And honestly, like I said, I have been interested in this idea for a really long time because I'm just fascinated by this concept of what truly makes something masculine or feminine. And like so much of that is cultural Mm -hmm. and so much of it is like really individual, right? Yeah. Something that feels girly to me may not feel girly to you. And something that is like maybe universally accepted as a boily thing, really. I think we should invent that word. I think we should start describing things as boily. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. I'm literally sitting here like, that word sounds so dumb. And I'm like, yeah, girly also sounds dumb. Girly sounds dumb. We've just accepted that that's an acceptable term for something. But like, it's kind of a silly, um, what's the word? I don't want to say degrading, but. Yeah, it is of, a little bit diminutive. Yeah, yeah, it puts it down a little bit rather than saying, yeah. "Oh, if something is masculine, that's a neutral thing, and if something is feminine, that's a neutral thing." Yeah, it's just another quality of it. So let's talk about. I wanted to see if we had similar ideas of masculinity and femininity in branding. Okay. So we're going to take a minute, and I want you to write down three brands that you feel are masculine. And three brands that you feel are feminine. And we're going to compare our lists. Okay. Okay. I'm really curious to see if this is easier for me because I think about branding and design a lot, or if it's easier for Abby because she doesn't, it will be interesting. And it has to be a specific brand. It can't just be like a generic product or type of product. Okay. I'm trying to think beyond just clothing. Oh, see, that's interesting. I immediately went to consumables. Interesting. Okay, I've listed like 10 at this point. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, I was just saying, it'll be interesting to see if it's hard harder for one of us than the other. And I'm having a hard time. And <laughs> I, need, I need one more for each. Just give me a second. Okay, I have mine. Do you have yours? Um. Yes. Okay, do you want to start with masculine or feminine? Um. Let's start with feminine. Okay. Tell me... You will go, you, me, you, me, you, me. Okay. I thought about it. I think ultimately the first one is Target. I almost put Target. Like Target is, Target is for women. It is. Yeah. It's 100% for women. The way it's designed, the way they advertise the products, the way they style them on the shelves. Yeah. The shopping carts with the drink holders. Yep. Men do not have to buy drinks every time they run errands. No. And men don't shop for the experience. Yes. Yeah. Maybe some men do, but by and large, it's 
get what you need and get out. Whereas it is a girls night activity for my friends to go to target and wander the aisles. Yes. Like let's go to target. Okay. Are you looking for anything? Nah, not really. Yeah. Me either. Yep. A hundred dollars later. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, Okay. The first one I listed was Dior. Dior. Which I feel like many luxury brands could be in the category of feminine because often luxury products are jewelry, clothing, handbags. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot that could kind of fit in this. I really... I like Dior because they have a history of specializing things for women. Hmm. And so that's like, I really like Chanel for the same reason. I like Chanel because it's a woman designer. Yeah. But that doesn't make a brand feminine by itself. Right. Well, and Chanel, like the head of Chanel for so many years was Carl Lagerfeld, right? Who is not mm-hmm. a woman. <laughs> right, right. But I think the idea that we're making products differently because we're making them for women. Yeah. Really speaks to me. So I think their branding is done really well. And it's also, it's not super traditional girly where they Mm -hmm. use a lot of metallic elements, black, white. It's a little bit more of an editorial style as opposed to like really soft curves and pastel colors kind of thing, which I like because I feel like it's different, but it's still very feminine. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, next one. Um, the next one my on my list is Lyft as opposed to Uber. Hey, I 100% agree. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just their pink logo? Well, it is pink. I also feel like they emerged as a reaction to Uber. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when Uber had a lot of lawsuits. Oh, yeah. Specifically, in some cases, about like harassment of drivers to female yeah clients so lyft was a reaction to that right but i think even their interface to me reads as feminine yeah okay like so car icon looks more like a girl than the yes. uber icon yes do you use lyft over uber uh i have both yeah i frequently find that lyft is reasonable and uber is like in crazy surge pricing yeah i've experienced that too because i I almost always use Uber because I feel like it's more universal. Mm. So like when I'm in random places, Uber will be available and Lyft won't. Interesting. Which is interesting. But there's actually a new driver service in Dallas called Alto, Alto, which is kind of, it's a higher priced rideshare kind of thing. Yeah. But their thing is, it's basically like a taxi service. Like, isn't it so funny how they all kind of comes back to those things? So Mm -hmm. they have contract drivers and it's supposed to be safer. You're less likely to get in accidents. They have, you know, stricter policies, all these kinds of things. But, and then they have a specific car that they drive. So you don't drive your own car. You drive the Alto car, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting. But their branding, I would say, is feminine. I would say it's pretty gender neutral, maybe a little feminine, but it definitely is going for like a luxury car service vibe. Okay, my second brand, which is going to sound similar to the first, but it's feminine for different reasons, is Tiffany's. Okay, yeah. And Tiffany's, I think, goes hard on the feminine branding. Uh Uh-huh. 
which is super interesting because it's one brand where I've heard that it's actually pretty split. Their buyers are male and female. Which would make sense, though, but a lot of it is geared towards someone buying for it's totally girlfriend or fiance. Yes. And even I was deep on Reddit for something the other day, and they were talking about like salesperson psychology. And they said, I used to work at Tiffany's and you can tell when a guy comes in, if he's there to buy a ring for his girlfriend, it doesn't matter if he's got cargo shorts and a gross basketball shirt on, like there is something in his eye and you serve him and you will make a great commission. So I think, I I think their brand is appealing to women who want their stuff and men who are shopping for women, which is the same as Target, right? Like Target still sells male products, but they sell them yeah. to women who are shopping for men. Yep. Which I love. I also, sorry, side note, I really like Tiffany's branding and they work with a lot of independent artists on their holiday campaigns specifically to do just like really whimsical, fantastical, experiential kind of ads. Yeah. As they can. And I just love that. Yeah. Okay. What was your third thing? third brand my third brand was rothy's Ooh, yes rothy's makes shoes now for men and women but i feel like there's something about the branding that's very Mm -hmm. female focused like the shape of their shoes and the way that they're packaged and they're washable Mm -hmm. all the colors that they have available that's definitely a female brand yes typically female products that are sold to women come in a lot more colors than products for men, which is a real bummer because boys can like colorful things too. Right. I know someone that we both know and love who spent several years of his life only wearing the color yellow. (laughs) Yes. And I'm worried that's going to be one of our kids now. (laughs) It probably is. Um, That's my husband in case you didn't catch that uh, call out. What I was going to say about Rothy's is I feel like brands that try to talk about like comfort and style like without like you don't have to sacrifice either of those things are often speaking to a female crowd yes well it's a reaction to like it all goes back to the corsets right these very restrictive clothing corsets and high heels right well and it's interesting because men's shoes like I'm trying to think of an example, but one's not coming to mind. But they may. I've also... never seen a men's shoe. I've never seen a men's shoe that was stylish. <laughs> well, I think there's some that are trying to be stylish, but they don't talk about how stylish it is necessarily. They talk about how practical it is. Yes. Right. Like it's important to be practical. Okay, so my last feminine brand, which I actually feel like it leans more gender neutral in the actual design. But I feel like in their messaging and that it's more feminine leaning, I would say is Ikea. I I was on the fence about this one. It's uh, even now I'm like, oh, would I say it's feminine? It's definitely not a traditional feminine brand. Uh But I think there's a few things that they've done that make it appeal to a female audience. One is the fact that it's like a do it yourself. Anyone can do it approach to furniture, which is contrary to men have to be the builders and men have to do all of this stuff, right? Okay. I think the second thing is IKEA is designed to be an in-person shopping experience. 
See, but I feel like the the shopping experience at Ikea is, first of all, it's warehouse. Like, you have to go pick it up yourself, which feels mm-hmm. a lot like a Home Depot to me. Mm-hmm. And then it's also, like, in case you've never seen a home before, yes. you dumb dudes, here's <laughs> where everything goes. Yes. Here's a bathroom in case you don't know what right. a shower caddy looks like. And that, to me, right. feels men. Feels like selling to men. See, and I feel like it's inspirational and artistic for women like Mm. they're like i don't care Cobb could not care less about wandering through the stylized homes in ikea he's like tell me what we need let's go to the warehouse and get it and i'm like interesting that is the difference between Cobb and ty right i'm like i want to wander i want to see the different arrangements and how they put furniture together i want it to be this experience and truthfully Cobb probably is on the far side of hating shopping, especially in that kind of way. Whereas I like it, you know, the only way I can convince Cobb to go to Ikea is if we get food there, but then we get so hungry and we get so much food that it's like, wait, we just spent $65 on crappy Ikea food. (laughs) But the other reason that I like Ikea and why I peg it as a feminine brand is because they do have such a high value on the aesthetics of their furniture. So even though it's cheap, even though it's DIY, they're still very modern, cute pieces Mm -hmm. as opposed to this is just functional, get the job done, doesn't matter what it looks like, furniture store. Okay. And I also think like the blue and yellow is kind of a contrary experience to like a Home Depot, which spoiler alert, I put on my masculine side. Yeah. So I feel like because of that, I'm putting it more feminine. Okay. Okay. Well, you should start with masculine. We already know you put Home Depot. On. Yes. So I put Home Depot. I actually, I put um, Home Depot first and then I was like, okay, what would be the female equivalent of Home Depot? I was like, maybe Ikea. So I think Home Depot does a really great job of being a masculine brand. Yeah. And it is so interesting to me because Home Depot is for my husband, like Target is for me. Same. Like he doesn't need anything there. Why do we need to go there? I don't know. He just wants to check it out. Well, and then you come home and you're like, do we need a power washer? What are we going to power wash? Yes. I'm like, we have three drills. Why do we have three drills? I don't know. Yep. They were on a great deal at Home Depot. (laughs) I also really love Home Depot's tagline which is like where doers get more done Mm. and i think that is a very kind of masculine approach of like this is about taking action this is about doing this is about getting the job done it's not it's not necessarily about the experience of building your own pergola it's like build it the right way do it right get it done you know yeah And so I think that feels very masculine. And then you've got like their army stencil logo. Like the whole thing is just. The smell. Yes. Oh, I love the smell of a Home Depot. I do too. Do you think it's, do you think it's organic or do you think they're like pumping in a scent like they're Cinnabon? Oh, I really hope it's organic. That would be a big bummer if they were faking it. Okay. Well, well, not to be too cliche. The first one on my list is L.L. Bean. Oh, L.L. Bean. If anyone remembers the blog from the early aughts called My LLB and Boyfriend. I do not remember this blog. 
it was like back in the days when nobody was worried about copyright infringement on the internet. So you could just make a blog that was cop like photos of yes. celebrities and random people that yes. looked like they shopped at L.L. Bean. Oh my gosh. Yes. If you were like an attracted man with a beard in those years, you're probably on the side. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, it feels even they sell women's clothing, but it's all like to be worn around a campfire. Yeah. It's definitely that like functional, practical. Mm-hmm. vibe. Which do you think is more masculine, L.L. Bean or Eddie Bauer? Ooh. I do think it's L.L. Bean. I think so, too. Maybe it's just because we have Eddie Bauer at the mall. I think maybe the cursive feels a little bit more feminine. Yeah, and Eddie Bauer being a person who has a clothing brand. L.L. Bean is a person. Lionel L. Bean. Um, this is a fun fact, though. Initials tend to feel more neutral and can even feel a little bit cold as compared mm-hmm. to like actual words. So in your brand, that's something that you should consider if you're using an acronym or just letters as opposed to a name or a title. I always use my name as the shipping address if I buy something from overseas. Okay. I mean, not if it's like cheap plastic crap that I'm buying on Amazon, but if I'm Wait, like, what do you mean you use your name as the shipping address? No, no, no. Like instead of putting my full name, I'll just put my initials and my last name. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it makes me feel like, hmm, who's this sophisticated person of mystery? <laughs> that is so funny. I have never thought about that. I did. Okay, this will crack you up. Years ago, when I first created a Walmart account, Which, side note, remember how you used to be able to shop online without having an account? Oh, yes. Those were the days. Anyway. Now I have to remember all the fake birth dates I've put in for all of my accounts. Okay, so when I very first signed up for a Walmart account, or I think it was like I was shipping something to myself, but I put the name Rebiki Peterson. (laughs) And now and forever, that is my name to Walmart. So anytime they send me anything, it's Rebiki Peterson. I hope when you do grocery pickup, someone comes to the car and is like, um, Hi, uh, I have an order for Rebiki. Uh, yes, that's my name. Thank you. <laughs> Where's my pita bread that you guys never have? Oh, that kills me. Okay, my next masculine brand is Blackstone Grills. Oh, They have a stranglehold on men in this country. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is actually super interesting because Cobb just bought a Blackstone Grill for his birthday. And Cobb loves cooking, but he is not a man's man, big beard, flannel shirt. Like that's not him, right? Yeah. And so it was actually interesting watching him shop for these grills because he was actually turned off by the Blackstone brand because he felt like they were pushing so hard this identity of like, I go camping and I grill my own fish and I have a beard and I wear a backwards hat and use an axe. And he's like, I like I actually want to use this to make like restaurant quality food at my house. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. Like, that's clearly working for their brand. And so they they have, like, the Home Depot orange. All of their grills are black. So mm-hmm. not just the cast iron top, but, like, all of it is black. And it's it's almost like they're trying to make it not pretty. 
Yes. Which this is just our personalities. But he was like, I'm looking at these grills. Which one do you like the best? And I was like, which one is the most aesthetically pleasing? Yes. That's the one I like the best. And of course, it's like, oh, the one that's most aesthetically pleasing is the most expensive, you know. So he ended up getting the the Blackstone. But I thought that was really interesting that they were pushing that so hard and that it actually kind of repelled him. Interesting. Um, The next one on my list. Did I pick only things that my husband uses every day? Perhaps. But I think this one I think is important. Garmin, I think, is manly. What is Garmin? Garmin watches? Garmin, they're watches. Okay. But I think Fitbit is feminine. Totally agree. And I think Apple has done a good job of kind of being in the middle. Mm, I so, I think Apple watches are feminine. Really? Mm-hmm. I definitely see more women than men with Apple watches. But I feel like branding-wise, they try to push it to both. I, yeah, I think they're supposed to be neutral. Yeah. It is interesting because I think there's so much practicality like for women, especially like moms, hairdressers, dental hygienists, you know, some of these typically female professions. Yeah. I think an Apple Watch makes a lot of sense for them, but they're trying to make it more of like a fitness thing. Right. So that's interesting. Um, okay. What do you think makes Garmin watches more masculine? So they have like this big old watch face, mm-hmm. a lot of like detailing around it. Like it's a fossil watch from the late nineties. Yes. And they've, they've branded it to be like, it's not just about fitness, like tracking your steps mm-hmm. or your miles or like things you're doing in, in the midst of your busy day-to-day life. But it's like, if you are going on a mountain bike ride, you can download the maps Mm. in there and it has these safety features so like i'm i'm ty's emergency contact and his garmin will text me if he falls off a cliff <laughs> but also, they, they just i'm just laughing because i'm like i know that Cobb would be so into these features and i'm like but wait you're like never gonna need that right, right. Like, you're mostly just gonna use this for like receiving texts and looking at the time well, the first time uh, when Ty first got his mountain bike, which was his like graduation present to himself, uh-huh. he didn't have a Garmin yet because yeah. that was his graduation present from his parents. Uh-huh. And he did get lost <laughs> on a mountain bike ride and it took him like three hours to get back oh, to his car. That is the worst. So yeah, See, so then you're like, yeah, th- this is totally justified. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my last masculine brand which i think is masculine for different reasons than we've already talked about is mountain dew yeah and this is actually the first one that came to mind when i was like what is a masculine brand 100 mountain dew and i'll tell you why their branding like their design they're trying to be cool but they're not okay. trying to be aesthetic yes it's like super angular super in your face clashing colors Nobody would describe their brand as like beautiful. It reminds me of like all of those skateboard logos. One hundred percent. What was that other store that had all of those? Oh, Zoomies. Zoomies. Oh my gosh. Zoomies had all of them. They're not pretty. Yes. Yeah. They're supposed to look kind of harsh. Yes. And I think that is totally Mountain Dew. And then they just like they take that so far where their ads are all about extreme sports and staying up late and having too much energy you don't know what to do with it 
And their product tastes like urine, which is something that like <laughs> men would drink on a dare that women would not. I actually like Mountain Dew, but similarly, I'm like, this brand is not for me. So I don't like I've never had it consistently, even though like I think the flavor is good. I think Baja Blast is good. And that's yeah. as far as I'm willing to go. Yeah. Baja Blast with some Taco Bell. There's oh, yeah. a Taco oh. Bell should have been on my list, but I didn't think about it. In time. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so what would you what would you say? Are there any common threads in what makes a brand masculine versus feminine? Um, I think there is something like rugged. I totally agree. That the market thinks appeals to men, mm-hmm. even though like women camp and fish too. But there's something tr- like we associate with masculinity there. Yes. Yeah. And something that's like harsh or like it's not supposed to be pretty. Yes. Yeah. It took us 10 hours to design this Mountain Dew logo, but it's not supposed to be pretty. Yes. Every pixel has been perfected, but it just happened that way. Yeah. And I guess that voice is masculine. <laughs> I guess so. I think there's something with feminine brands. There's an element of like extra decoration. Not mm-hmm. always. Like I think you can have a minimal brand and have it be feminine, but it seems like if there are superfluous elements right like tiffany's having like the blue that's so strong and the ribbon and the little whimsical illustrations like that feels feminine to me yeah i do think there's something like if something is whimsical or unnecessary or frivolous Mm -hmm. culturally that reads feminine yes i agree because even like i was talking about the garmin watch it has detailing on there that is purely ornate Right. But it's imitating something that's functional. Like there's a point of reference for it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I also think, and these are not hard and fast rules, but I do think that straight lines or like more angular shapes feel more masculine, whereas round curved lines or like more organic shapes feel more feminine. Yeah. And I've heard that it's because male bodies are more straight and angular, whereas feminine bodies are more curved. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but. I don't know. I've seen some pretty square women in my day. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that masculine things sometimes tend to be more in their natural state, like raw materials, rough around mm-hmm. the edges, or something that's imitating mm-hmm. those features. And the other their difference I would point out is I think the brands that we've identified for women are about the experience and it's all about you as the consumer, mm-hmm. like catering to you. How does it feel mm-hmm. to go to Ikea? How does it feel to go on a Target run with your friends? Yes. How does it You're feel so to buy an engagement ring? It could be the $120 recyclable washable shoes. Right. Right. And for men, it's more like the end result like you want good food here's a grill you want to build something here's home depot yes exactly and i would say feminine brands in general focus more on feelings yeah and that goes along with the experience but yeah i was gonna say another general thing i think is masculine brands use darker colors and feminine brands use lighter colors not always but if you if you want something to look more feminine, you typically try more pastel colors. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the SNL skit about the Bic for her pens. Oh my gosh. I have not. 
So Bic came out with a pen line and it wasn't really about making pens for women. It was a breast cancer awareness campaign. And so there was a line of like pink Bic pens and they donated proceeds to breast cancer research or whatever. But people just laughed and laughed and laughed about the advertising for the pens because it was all about like a soft, comfortable grit and like <laughs> delicate, curved lines like this whole, and they were pink and they were purple anyway. And everyone's like, oh, I'm just so glad I can finally hold a pen with my delicate lady hand. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I think there's like ways that this can be used for good and ways that like it doesn't need to be relevant for your right. business. You know? well, I was going to ask, like, is it important to consider this in your brand? Like, if you want to market to men and women, do you have to make it gender neutral? Is it okay to lean one way? I actually think that your masculine identity or your feminine identity is one of the most powerful differentiators each person has. Mm -hmm. And so for personal brands like coaches, consultants, service providers, anybody that's in a client-based business, Creating a masculine or a feminine brand identity is one of the most powerful ways that you speak to your ideal clients. Okay. So for me, I'm not speaking to women just as women. I'm speaking to women and women who lean towards a more feminine approach to building their business. Okay. So who are typically exploring more passive ways of entrepreneurship. They don't want to hustle to make a buck. They are allowing their clients to come to them. And so I want my brand to feel very feminine. Okay. Other businesses may choose differently. And I've even had clients who started out pretty specific towards a masculine audience. And over time, as they have grown their business and as they have wanted to expand their reach, have come to me and said, hey, we need some help repositioning and redesigning things to be more inclusive. Right. And the truth is that your product is or service is marketed most successfully when you can be specific in some way. So that doesn't have to be masculine or feminine. And I think that there is a place for gender neutral designs. And I would hope that even brands that are targeted towards one or the other would be inclusive of all people and all identities. Yeah. But it is a really powerful tool. And that's why I think it's worth talking about in branding because it's something that should be used and understood yeah. to help you speak more powerfully and effectively to your audience and to help them feel seen, mm -hmm. right? So there are ways in which you will talk to your audience, you know, that's relevant to their experience as someone who's more feminine or more masculine. Yeah. And there will be ways that will be less relevant to those experiences. But I don't think it's something that we can ignore. And I think it's a really beautiful part of building a brand is that we get to explore these different ways of doing it. Um, it was interesting just talking about your perception. Uh-huh. I went furniture shopping with Ty. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, like, oh, I want to go. He was like, I don't want to go to West Elm because all their stuff looks so girly. And I was like, what? That is so interesting. You think Crate and Barrel is more masculine than West Elm? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's just like not quite so stylized or like not so many textures or it just like yeah. there's something about West Elm that was really girly to him and then that day we went to both stores and I was like 
I kind of see it. I can kind of see it. I actually haven't been to West Elm in a long time, but I've been to Crate and Barrel recently and it is a little bit more masculine. Yeah, it's like a little bit more streamlined, maybe a little bit more like Scandinavian minimalism. Yes. I feel like West Elm is just a little bit more cozy, layered. Well, and kind bougie. Of yeah. And they have a, like a little tiny bit more of like an anthropology eclectic vibe. Yes. Just slightly more than Crate and Barrel. Just enough that it triggered my husband and now he won't shop there. Yeah, that is super interesting. Do you have any final questions, comments, or thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, I think this has been good. As much as I think it is subjective, I feel like we've been acculturated enough that there are some commonalities. Like there are some trends that we've identified. There are definitely trends. And what I think is interesting is we can use these trends to also change the stereotypes, which I think is really cool. So like, I think it's really interesting how advertising and media and all of these things perpetuates gender stereotypes. Like this is obvious through like color choices. Yes. You know, and and like product packaging and all that stuff. But even like relationships that we see in TV reinforce certain ideas about what makes somebody masculine or feminine. Yes. And like, I actually... I took this class on pop culture and media that I thought was fascinating. And they talked about the four kind of views of people. So there's like men's men, women's men, women's Mm -hmm. women, and men's women. Yes. And how, depending on how you're looking at people, it changes what they say, what they do, what, what is interesting and attractive to that audience or unattractive. Yes. And I think again, it's not it's not about having hard and fast rules. It's not about saying this is what makes something masculine or feminine. It's about being aware of the cultural norms, the stereotypes, the ideas that we have, and being able to use that to your advantage in your brand. Well, I think it's it's cool to witness the change even since our childhood. Yeah. Of everything in advertisements and movies and pop culture that we saw when we were little was basically like the men's idea of what women are like and how to sell to them and how to speak to them. Yes. And now maybe that wasn't even there were women CEOs in the nineties, but like it, it just felt different. The stereotypes were different. The culture was different. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing so many more individualized brands of, you know, men selling products to men, but Mm -hmm. that aren't, aren't in the same vein of masculinity. And now like, people solving problems for women that no one would have anticipated and being able to speak to them and empathize with them on their level. And I think that's really cool to see too. Right. Yeah. We didn't talk about this, but I love feminine products that are not branded super feminine. Yes. I think it's like an interesting trend. I'm here for it. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Stay tuned because we have an exciting giveaway coming up as we close out the first season of Aesthetically Speaking, and we want you to participate. So keep your eyes peeled for more information, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 